you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We broadcast live every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be, Global Star Radio Network, for all of your listening needs. They've got a wonderful lineup of shows. Um, folks, we simulcast uh, on Blog Talk Radio as well as YouTube, our official YouTube channel. If you haven't done so, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. There you can be enriched by our programming and uh, as well as other uh, informational messages. Definitely our official YouTube channel. And, and don't forget links to each audio and video venue can be found at our home base, HagmanandHagman.com. That's HagmanandHagman.com. Um, we have two websites. That's for the show part. And then, of course, HagmanReport.com. That's for the news articles, information, analyses. Information, it's kind of like show prep. Stuff that you need to know. Things that are taking place that you need to know. So, uh, HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm. And a fellow investigator and researcher, and of course my son Joe Hagman. Together we are the Hagman and Hagman Report, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. We have got a show for you tonight. Uh, I'm just so excited. I'm going to let Joe bring uh, Joe bring us in because, um, well, I'm just excited about uh, what we've got to offer tonight. Yeah, we got uh, a regular guest, a great guest, uh, Paul McGuire, author of the uh, book a Prophecy of the Future of America 2016, uh, among other works. You can go to his website, Uh He was a guest on our show not too long ago. He had a recent um, prayer meeting in Hollywood, California, yep. and yep. Uh, that went pretty well from talking to him. And, again, his website is palmaguire.us. Go to palmaguire.us. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about the Satanic Celebration on 6-6-16 in Los uh. Angeles, as well as other geopolitical news and uh, current events through the biblical perspective. Paul, it's great to have you back on the show. How are you doing? Hey, gentlemen. Doug, Joe, it's great to be back on. Well, I'll tell you what, we've been, we were thinking about you. You, you know, uh, right before, folks, right before airtime, and we had, ladies and gentlemen, we had mentioned this uh, earlier um, in, in the week. As a matter of fact, on Monday, uh, I had mentioned this, and, and I, I, right when I was talking about this, I know Paul McGuire has been in Paris and spent a lot of time there, and, and, and I happened, when I, when I heard this story, I immediately thought of Paul McGuire. Well, it just so happened at that, at that very moment, really at that moment, uh, when I was reading this, the the account of this lightning strike in Paris at that uh, at this specific park, Park Montsou, or however you pronounce that, um, and looking at what that park, the symbolism of that park, um, and of course the eleven who were injured um, in total. Which includes at least one fatality. I, it's my understanding. Um, things kind of started springing out at me, and at the, but at the very same moment, I got an email about Paul's new article at News with Views and PaulMcGuire US about the satanic celebration coming on six sixteen or right six one six one six, and uh, interesting numerology there. So we had to get him on tonight. So Paul. Thank you for coming, and and uh, if we don't mind, let's start. Let's start out with the uh, that lightning strike this weekend. People, I'm sure, because this happened out of a clear blue sky at, at this park. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce that? Monsau or Monso? Monsou? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess because my grandmother was French. <laughs> it's a park. Uh, she taught me French, and I can't remember most of it, but I, it's, it's probably Park Monsau. I'm guessing. All right. So. Anyway, it, it was very interesting, uh, the, the lightning hitting that, and, and tragically the, uh, some of the children being injured. Uh, that's, that's a tragic part. But, you know, uh, the lightning uh, there and in Germany, but this particular park is an occult park. I mean, that's why it was originally uh, constructed and um it um it has a interesting history that goes back to uh freemasonry and the illuminati and some of the events around the time of the french revolution and there is an actual as you know uh, Doug and Joe there's an actual pyramid built in the park but there's a lot of other occultic uh symbols so um the some of the leading Freemasons um, and members of the Illuminati uh, of, of that time, and the architect himself uh, was uh, a member of the Illuminati and Freemason. So there's all these occult symbols uh, all over the park, and you you could say it's it's an occult park, even though it's a place for little, little children to uh, to uh, play. Um, it uh, is a Masonic um, center, and uh, it's clearly uh, occultic in nature. There's just no question about it. So for the lightning to, to come down and strike it is is more than and bizarre. It's, it's almost as if 
you know, God is expressing his displeasure uh, over this Illuminati, occultic, uh, in, invisible uh, elite uh, that rules uh, the world and most of the major nations. Now, the, the thing is that when I was in France, um, I didn't realize until I spent time in Paris. And when I was in Paris, I was given a tour. But I, I was speaking at a 12,000-member church on Bible prophecy, and uh, a very knowledgeable uh, Frenchman uh, gave me a tour of Paris, and he pointed out all these symbols. And Paris is just filled with Illuminati symbols and phallic symbols and uh, pyramids. There's a, a, pyram a, a big pyramid uh, built near the Louvre. Uh, there are other pyramids. And um, he, even though he was extremely knowledgeable, um, he didn't understand the occult uh, meanings. He could tell me the history of everything, but he, he, he didn't know the occult symbols. Are we still, or are we still in the air? Yeah. Okay. So he, he didn't know the occult symbols, so even though he was telling me the history of all these monuments, he was doing it from purely a historical uh, perspective. But he was sharing with me things that I didn't understand, and once he explained it to me, uh, being that I can recognize the occult symbolism and, and the meanings of all this stuff. I mean, there's all seeing highs of uh, Lucifer over everything. You know, the of the uh, of the rights of uh, of man in the French Revolution, which was a hum so-called humanistic revolution. When you look at the top of it, and you see there's a pyramid just like the one on the back of the U.S. dollar with the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, and so the entire French Revolution even though they they acted like it was built on logic and reason. It was really an Illuminati, Masonic, uh, Freemason uh, revolution. And it's in all the architecture in uh, Paris and France, and it goes back before, before then. So um, he was giving me this tour. Now, you have that park, and that's just one part of it. But then... Um, there, as I said, there's a large pyramid by the Louvre uh, Museum, and not too far from there, there's um, a smaller pyramid, but it's very prominent. You look down this street, and there's a statue uh, on, a, on a giant pillar, and there's a pyramid on it, and uh, there's another large pyramid. Now, um, clearly occultic. But what he explained to me was like, it, it blew my mind. He said, because he didn't know anything about the meaning of the pyramids, he said that these uh, pyramids were built on the, the exact same uh, ground where the guillotines were during the French Revolution. And as you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people uh, during the French Revolution had their heads chopped off uh, with guillotines, and you know the blood was spilt all over the ground during the French Revolution. It, it's on that exact spot that these pyramids, uh, these Illuminati pyramids, are built. So it was obvious to me as he was talking that there's a connection between 
the erection of the Illuminati pyramids and the fact that they were built on the exact same land where blood sacrifice occurred. Uh, so you have blood sacrifice and then you have these uh, Illuminati-type pyramids. And this is a, a, a constant feature. You know, there's the, the, the Luciferian elements to um, the Illuminati and some of these other things. So that was a key thing to, 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 to recognize. And then as we were driving down uh, the various streets, in Paris, and everything from the Eiffel Tower, which is a giant phallic symbol, um, to uh, the um, uh, giant arch, these all have Illuminati meanings. But as we would keep driving down the street, and there's like a whole number of streets in the center of Paris, and you you drive through this what appears to be this gigantic wheel that arches over the streets. I mean, it's huge. And it, it, it vaguely looks like a, a gigantic Ferris wheel, except there's no seats. And we kept driving through this, this circular wheel-like structure that looked like it had been built there a long, long time ago. And I thought it was purely uh, decorative, because Paris is a very beautiful city. But then... One time when we're driving through it, I guess the way the light was shining from the sky, I, it dawned upon me, because he didn't know anything about this, that this giant wheel I was looking at was really the sun. And as I looked more carefully at this giant wheel that looked like a Ferris wheel minus the seats, I noticed that there were uh, all these flames that, that looked like the, they were designed to look like the flames of the sun. And, and really, this giant wheel was a, was a, a replica. It was an intentional symbol of the sun because um, the Illuminati, Paris is an Illuminati city, and it is dedicated to the worship of Ra, who was the sun god, who was uh, um, Nimrod, and we talk about this in our book, The Babylon Code, uh, Nimrod, uh, when his wife Semiramis killed him, she told the people of Babylon that he, Nimrod, rose to the sun and became Ra, the sun god. So you see this giant wheel, and it's really a sun. And so as you drive through the city, including this park, Park Monceau, uh, you see one Illuminati uh, symbol after another. But here's the thing that most people didn't realize, and I didn't fully realize it either. And this Frenchman who's giving me the tour, he is extremely knowledgeable, but he has no knowledge of occult symbols. And you see, the, see these giant museums to science and technology. And all over Paris, there are all these monuments to science, to man's logic, to man's reason. Um, so the French Revolution sold itself as a humanistic revolution where man was God and that um, man uh, uh, would become God through his logic and reason. And that's what most people believe that the French Revolution is all about. But the truth of the matter is, the French Revolution, with people like uh, the philosopher uh, Rousseau and Voltaire, and then the terrorist leader Robespierre, uh, 
they sold it outwardly as a revolution of logic and reason and science. We don't have God because God's a primitive idea. Uh, the French Revolution is a revolution of, that will lead man into a new golden age, uh, which would, would have been a renaissance. But they hide the fact that beneath the logic and reason and science, it's really a completely occultic belief system. So, so they hide behind the pretense that this was a revolution of science, logic, and reason, and when you look at all the symbols, it really was behind that an occultic Illuminati uh, system. And the same thing, you know, occurs in, with the Fabian Socialists in uh, Great Britain. You know, H.G. Wells and the Huxleys and uh, the others, they pretended to be outwardly these men who believed in logic, science, and reason, but secretly with groups like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is uh, the mother of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, Huxley and H.G. Wells were also deeply involved in the occult. So France is an occult city, and uh, the lightning hitting the, the occult symbols in this park, uh, to me, it's a, there's a strange foreshadowing there. You, you know, Paul, I didn't realize this. And I know Joe is going to jump in here too. The 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 Louvre, Louvre. Uh, I I don't know how to pronounce. I don't know how to speak French. I can barely speak English. But anyway, well, you uh, you got Louvre hundred percent right. So okay. Well, one of the things. I, and, and correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, please. But uh, an overhead shot. Now I'm not sure if this is directly at at, at that museum or if it's nearby. But there, it's an eye. Well, it, it, it's an Illuminati it, symbol, the Eye of Horus. Uh, or am I yeah, looking I'm at sure, this? I'm, okay. No, yeah, I, I'm is. sure. I'm, I'm sure it is because the the French uh, pride themselves and ha and have from the very beginning of of their civilization. They are meticulous craftsmen and and artists, and the French are known for not only you know their adherence to, to science and logic and reason, but also uh, the French. Um, they're a highly artistic, visual culture, and all of Paris and all of France, but Paris especially. The reason it's the most beautiful city in the world. The city of lights uh, is because the French and the French preserve it to, to to this day. It's a romantic city because they they don't allow it, you know all around that pyramid you're talking about. Uh, that pyramid is surrounded when you look at it by these walls. And I was asking my guide, and I said he he thought. This, these were the walls, the exterior walls of a giant castle that was erected by one of the French kings. Back as far, it began, the construction began as back as far as the 1300s. And this wall, at, with windows and stuff, it, it goes on for miles. The, the, the amount of money uh, that must have been spent in the 1300s and 1400s to build this, this 
uh, castle, and it's not a castle wall in the traditional sense because it has windows and it's a very ornate and beautiful. And that's where the Louvre is and the uh, the the glass giant glass pyramid. So everything they did had the, the way they planned the streets. Um, there's multiple symbols that can be viewed from multiple levels. So, so a lot of people they see the uh, Eiffel Tower and think, well, it's just a magnificent tower. Well, well, it is a magnificent tower, but it's just also intentionally a phallic symbol because um, it's there's an intentionality in everything the French do when it comes to to visual or artistic or uh, architectural design. And one of the things I, I've got to tell the audience this when when I began researching, uh, Paul, um, what happened over the weekend, and, and I, I don't want people to, to think, well, I'm dwelling too much on this, but uh, when you, when you look at the events of this past weekend with the lightning strikes, including the one that took place, uh, this lightning out of a clear blue sky. Now, uh, to, to me. Um, I mean, that, to me, that's significant. But the, immediately, and, and this is the value, uh, and I just want to stress this to our audience because we get a lot of people who who say, well, you know, uh, books and stuff. We, I don't need, you know, we, I don't need to, uh, uh, for whatever reason, I don't need books. But I'm going to tell you something. The first book that I grabbed was Babylon Code because you had written, you and Troy Anderson had written Babylon Code, but you had written a lot about the French Revolution. Well, about yeah, French Revolution and things related to France, but uh, peripherally to your book, um, A Prophecy of the Future of America, your original copy. And I and I grabbed both of those books, and between the two, the amount of information and knowledge that I gained in the understanding, level of understanding that I, I acquired from this to put what I see taking place now, and, and I think this is the key, when you start assembling the tiles, the p- puzzle pieces... And, and you, I mean, it gives you a, a good compass, a, a good reading as to where we're at, time-wise, and, and a good reading as to uh, what that handwriting on the wall means, or what that, in this case, what that lightning strike means, or what uh, you know, what, where we are in terms of uh, you know God's time clock. So I said all that because I just want to reaffirm a prophecy in the future of America coming out 2016, uh, 2017 coming out here shortly. To me, that's going to be one of the most, if not the most, critical books you can grab. And I just want to really say that because, and, and I'm not saying that to, to sell your book, Paul, although I hope that does. I'm saying that because it's, there's so much information here that you have uncovered and um, made it easy for me to understand as an investigator, by, by trade, by profession, I could look at your book and you can, you've made, in, in your Prophecy of the Future of America, you made the case to me about the, the French Revolution, the, the France, the, the role, and its role in the New World Order. So I'm going to stop rambling here, but I just, just consider this a huge endorsement. And, uh, you know, if I have to drive to your, your office to pick up the first copy of that book, I'm going to do that because that's how important I think this is. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, um, the, the the research that I've been doing as I tell people, and I'm serious about it, it began in third grade <laughs> when I read Aldous Huxley's Brave New World in 1984. And you and I would have got along in, in, in grade school, I, I'm going to tell you. 
Well, what, what was I won't get into the story because I probably have before. And part of the I always sense of the story. There's the real, not in a, in terms of obscenity, but there's the real. Uh, later on, there's the real. Uh, let's call it the X-rated version minus sexual perversion because it has nothing to do with sex. Uh, about uh, reading and test scores in my life, but I won't get into it at the moment. But in third grade, um, they didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> I couldn't totally understand why. And um, um, because I grew up, for example, my father was an artist, so um, and he painted uh, pictures, and he, you know, was hung out with intellectuals and some famous artists in New York City. So when I was a little kid. Um, I grew up at the feet of artists who were talking about the French Revolution and philosophy and existentialism. You could go on and on and on. So my brain was immersed in this kind of thinking since the, the, the earliest days of, of my childhood. So, you see, that that, that gives you an advantage when you, um, um, you know, or then you're in third grade and you can understand a book um, um, like Brave New World in 1984, because you, you, you've been hearing about this. I mean, to, to walk in cold in third grade, you couldn't possibly get it. But I had an advantage. So anyway, that's when my research began, because I began thinking about this. Now, um, then as I began to write the books that I've written, and the latest being A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, which is completely new information, because I wrote an earlier book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, uh, but the new book is completely new information, and it's up-to-the-minute information, uh, where I connect the dots about what's happening in 2016-2017, because I believe that they're most, the most critical uh, years in our nation's history. And as always, I do an enormous... If, if, if I had published uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, according to the notes of my research, it would, it would have exceeded a thousand pages. So it doesn't. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's about 300 pages. Um, because nobody will read a thousand-page book. So, so here's the thing, though. I always pray. Uh, I do a tremendous amount of research. I study the Word of God, and then I pray. And I literally uh, wake up in the middle of the night, uh, uh, you know, just consumed about the book. And then I pray, and I say, and I, I will pray night after night, you know. And this went on for like a year. Um, and I'll ask the Lord, literally, to give me a supernatural revelation. Let me understand things beyond my human intellect. Give me, like, uh, prophetic revelation and understanding of what's happening. And you you do that, you know, and, you know, you don't get hit, hit by a lightning bolt, no pun intended, you know. Uh, you know, a, a cloud doesn't fill your bedroom or anything. It's like, well, most of the time nothing happens. But all of a sudden you'll, you, 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 you will, like what happened to you as you began to research the news story on the Park Monceau where the lightning hit the uh, uh, Illuminati uh, 
park, let's call it the Illuminati Park. You know, I believe the Holy Spirit led you to that conclusion. And and the Holy Spirit does that for people in your audience. You know, you get divine hunches. It's more than just your intuition, although that's part of it. It's more than your gut feeling, although that's part of it. The, the Spirit of God, uh, there's, a, there's a verse which says... Uh, the candle of a man is the spirit of the Lord. And what that simply means is that most often God speaks to us through our human spirit, which would be called the candle of a man. And God's spirit then speaks to us through our human spirit. So, so like we get these ideas and impressions that come out of our human imagination, out of the, the depths of our human consciousness. But what it really is, it's it's the Lord speaking to us through our own inner being. So that verse that says, uh, "For the uh, candle of uh, for the candle of of a man is the spirit of the Lord." That the, it's a communication system where God's spirit speaks to us through our intellect our gut feelings, our hunches, our, not in an occult sense, but that sixth sense, you know. So anyway, so you pray for God's wisdom, and like I said, no lightning bolt hits you or anything, but, but all of a sudden, you'll get this prompting or this inner sense. I mean, business people and, and, and moms get it about their kids, so this is, you know, people know what I'm talking about. So, as I began writing the new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, I was doing the research, and the Lord kept pushing me to research and write in specific areas. One is, he told me, I really uh, want you to uh, update people on the latest developments in the national economic system, uh, trade treaties, and the international economic system. And I really felt led to delve into the uh, economic system at a level that most people don't understand. Um, and then number two is, um, I also felt divinely led, now I didn't want to devote too much time, but, but it's in the book because it's important. Uh, I talk about the, the Luciferian uh, system economically and uh, socially and geopolitically, and the reality of it, which a lot of people are still in denial that it even exists. And then, of course, I give the, the promises of God because I don't I don't want it to be a doom and gloom book. I believe God supernaturally will provide for His people. So anyway, um, I I I felt pushed to go into this uh, satanic thing and this uh, uh, Luciferian elite thing. And one of the things I talked about was the fact that the UNESCO and the United Nations had planned to build, to recreate these arches of Baal in uh, London and uh, Times Square, New York. Now, uh, the, the official word is they canceled it. And maybe they have canceled it temporarily, but I've read other research that suggests that, that it's not over yet. So even though a lot of people are running around saying it's canceled, I'm not so sure about that. You're right uh, on. I, I've so, got, Paul, I've got, I, I, sorry for interrupting, but I do have sure. information. I cannot tell you where I got this from. Uh, what they're doing is it, it's delayed. It's not canceled and it's going to come in through, through a back door. 
Um, that's all I can say. But but trust me when I tell you, it's they're on their way. And when I say that, I'm not talking about tomorrow, but um, soon, soon. It, it be before before the inauguration. It's my understanding. I'm glad you told me that because um, that just added to to to. I, I, you know, I had a hunch that they were going to do that, and I had read some information from multiple sources which said it w- it was not canceled, and they were still going to go ahead with it. But I'm glad you said what you said uh, because it 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 confirms uh, what I thought. So I felt led to include that in the book, and I did. And 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 this this is where we get into really the depth of the message that I've been trying to communicate um, with previous books uh, The Babylon Code The Original A Prophecy of the Future of America and the brand new one A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017 and I know you understand what I'm saying I know Joe understands what I'm saying and I know many many people in your audience understand what I'm saying but there, there is when you when you get into this topic, even among uh, Christians who who take Bible prophecy, prophecy seriously, but the general public at large and most people, there's an automatic denial of what I'm about to say. And the reason there's an automatic denial of what I'm about to say is because it's it's just it's so it's like on one level it's so out there people have difficulty believing it's true. And I understand that, because it, what I'm about to say, which I document in the book, uh, is is the opposite of everything that we've been taught to believe in the media and uh, public education and what we've been taught to believe by our friends and conversation and in movies, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the deal. Now, I, I use the term architecture of evil. But I'm very serious about it. And and what you talked about uh, with this park in France being hit by lightning bolts, and that park was filled with Illuminati pyramids and other symbols, and Paris is just bursting with uh, Illuminati occult symbolism, as as is Washington, D.C., by the way, as is London and, and, and the Vatican City and, and many other cities. But France is, is especially... Uh, occultic at a level that that's just you know it's mind blowing. So anyway, I call this the architecture of evil. And again, I know that people there will be some resistance by a lot of people when I when I explain it, but I document it in the book. There exists in our world today uh, an invisible elite, if you want to call it that a secretive elite at the very, very highest levels who come from secret societies. Now, I'm not talking about, like, people way high up. I'm talking about people who are higher up than way high up. I'm talking about people that are so high up uh, that many of their names are not even known. For example, in the book, I talk about Bill Gates and the fact that Forbes magazine says he's the wealthiest man in the world. Uh, because supposedly he's worth fifty million uh, fifty billion dollars, but I point out that that the really wealthiest people in the world are never even on the list of Forbes magazine so so for example, the Rothschilds 
family or group of families is they are estimated to be worth somewhere between $250 trillion and $400 trillion. So you compare the Rothschild uh, financial empire of $400 trillion to Bill Gates' $50 billion. It's nothing. And there's other families like that that have trillions of dollars because their wealth is phenomenal. Now, uh, I'm not naming a particular family or a particular individual, but there are people in these upper echelons um, who are part of this architecture of evil. Uh, they're, they're Luciferians. And they have the power to pull the strings to make things happen. So it's not an accident that under the guise of UNESCO and World Heritage Sites of the United Nations that these arches of Baal uh, are going to be built in Times Square and London. And most of your uh, uh, listeners know that uh, the Baal Temple is really a temple to Satan, and the regular part of the worship of uh, Baal consists of uh, burning human children alive and human sacrifice, and then sexual orgies and drug taking and the open wor uh, worship of Satan. So why would any society bring uh, an arch of the Temple of Baal to like Times Square when it really is com uh, the purpose of the, the, the Temple of Baal was human sacrifice of children and uh, other horrible things. I mean, it's an abomination and it's evil. I, I cannot prove this, but I would suggest to your listeners it is because there are people in very high places who want it there. In the same way, there are people in very high places and have been there for hundreds of years in Paris and people in very high places who were there at the building of the architecture of Washington, D.C. and other places that were, had a vested interest in making sure there were lots of uh, Illuminati and occult uh, symbolism in architecture. So there's, there's a desire for a commemoration of a human sacrifice. And this is what I call the architecture of evil, because what people want to deny, although it's true, is there exists in our world today, at the very highest levels, a secretive elite that are Luciferians. They do worship Lucifer in their private lives. Um, uh, Stanley Kubrick, the filmmaker, uh, alluded to this, and he, he was trying to secretly communicate the reality of this in numerous films like Eyes Wide Shut, with Tom Cruise, where he actually reenacts, and it's semi-pornographic, so I don't suggest people watch it, but he actually reenacts an Illuminati sexual ritual in his movie Eyes Wide Shut, and remember, as you, I know you know, he died mysteriously, I think, what was it, six months after the film was released, and yeah. there was a battle over the 20 minutes of the film where he really blew open the Illuminati and, and the studio make him, uh, made him take it out. But he fought them and he, he died six months mysteriously after the film was released. But that, that orgy ritual scene in Eyes Wide Shut, and everything Kubrick did was intentional, that was shot in Rothschild's castle. So uh, Kubrick was making a, a secret statement there. So 
there exists an architecture of evil at, at the highest levels of society. And this, and this goes back to ancient Babylon, as we point out in our book, The Babylon Code, where human sacrifice, which is an essential part of satanic worship, and it goes back to the ancient Canaanite culture. So these people at the very highest levels believe in human sacrifice, and I believe um, they're Satanists. And so it's not just for artistic or historical reasons they want an arch in London and Times Square to bail or human sacrifice or Satan worship. It, they're, they're signaling something. They, want, they literally want demonic control over those cities and those regions. So this is what I have proved and docu with documentation in my book, especially the latest book of prophecy, The Future of America, 2016-2017. Now, going back to the Holy Spirit leading you, I happened to come across research, an article that was published as I was finishing the last part of the books in the last few weeks. And the book is released uh, June 15. We start shipping it out. People can still pre-order it at the discount if they do it immediately, and those who have already pre-ordered it will get it before the general public. But we're going to release it, I believe, June 15th. Now, even in the last weeks of writing the book, I, I was coming up with up-to-minute research, and I came across this scientific study that just came out relatively recently. And it was a scientific study with scientists and interestingly enough, their topic was human sacrifice and how the most powerful people throughout history have managed to, to use human sacrifice as an element to consolidate their power and to control the empires they ruled. So here you have these secular scientists publishing a scientific report based on archaeology and, and other factors where they say um, that um, they don't call it satanic worship but they say human sacrifice has been an integral part of uh, the most powerful people at the very top uh, controlling uh, societies and civilizations since the beginning of time now that's mind-blowing, and I, and I talk about the, the scientific research in the book because it proves my message, which there's an architecture of evil that controls the world. And it goes back to Babylon and really before Babylon, and it's what the land of Canaan was all about because all these uh, uh, pagan tribes like the... Um, uh, Kirkazites and the Gergazites, and they all seem to end with ites. But all these tribes in the land of Canaan were into satanic worship, human sacrifice, Baal worship, Moloch worship, and the sacrifice of human ch uh, children was a regular part of their worship. So um, the other reason is is that um, what they call the Illuminati bloodline families. Um, the controlling families and the secret societies and what they and what you call mystery Babylon, uh, the, the 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 dark spirituality that is secretly pra practiced by the rulers and kings and queens and pharaohs and emperors of this world, often involves satanic worship, and that.
that is the same today. And that's what people are in denial of. What I just said is true, and they don't understand that even though we have lived in the so-called modern, sophisticated world, that behind the scenes, with people that use technology, that people are in highest levels of science, that people that control geopolitics and international monetary systems and stuff like that, there these there are secret societies that don't even have names that we know the names of, but they are into they they have chosen to be servants of Lucifer, and they conduct human sacrifice, and um, and they worship Satan, and, and and yet you know you you can tell that to people, but they 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 won't embrace it. They they because it's too heavy for them, but it happens to be true. And until you understand that, you really can't understand anything of what's going on nationally or globally. Because this, this whole power grid that I just talked about uh, is probably one of the major pieces of the puzzle. And you can't put the puzzle together unless you understand the key pieces you know, and that's a key piece. I know both of you guys understand well, it. And again, but, but, many, oh, I'm sorry. No, let me let me toss out a question to you because I, I get this a lot. Um, I, I was on a I was a I was a, a guest on a, on a radio show about my about about my book, and um, we we touched on child sacrifices. And after that, uh, after my appearance, I got a, just a whole a, a slew of emails asking me why um why would why is child sacrifice popular today what is gained by satanists sacrificing a child for example and and the reason i'm bringing this up i mean although i know the answer to that and i, I know you do as well there seems to be among the people who will accept the fact that there's child sacrifice going on uh there seems to be a disconnect as to why it is on the rise even more more overtly today than than ever before. Do, can you address that? Because there are people out there who are saying, "Okay, but why?" So, what's the deal with that? Well, sure. Uh, and first of all, um, perhaps the the number one thing is that, um, like in your in your novel, which was extremely well written, by the way. And uh, I believe the reason it was extremely well written, uh, and I, I don't know to what degree or how much of a degree, but it, it had the smell of truth in it. I mean, it had this. You, it was obviously that you were writing your novel uh, from the perspective of somebody who had been in, uh, in in the places that that you know your your leading character had been in, because it, it, it your novel was so real. And vivid, and that's why it made. It, that's why it was. It was bone chilling, quite frankly, and 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 gripping. And I don't want to give away any part of it, but there, there's just one <clears throat> scene in your book where they discuss this photograph of where this satanic ritual occurred, and I won't go into it any further. And it's just, I can't get out of my mind. It, it, it was so horrific the way you depicted it. But more importantly, it came off as not something that, that you just made up, that it was something based on uh, 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 truth, and I won't go into it any further than that. So you, you captured it. 
because in your novel, um, you, the, the most chilling part of it is that you peel back the veneer of illusion that exists in the average town, community, and city in the United States of America, and behind that veneer of social pleasantries and niceness, uh, there is often a dark and very real satanic reality among at least a certain percentage, and these people do very, very uh, evil things. And I'm not saying every Satanist does that, uh, and I'm not uh, saying every person who, you know, is involved in this uh, cult activity or that occult activity goes that far, but there are certain percentages that do. So anyway, um, the reason you got all those phone calls of people that say why, the reason it's it's so mysterious to them is their their minds are locked into uh, the mindset, let's call it the Western rational, so-called rational, logical, materialistic, so-called scientific mindset that they were indoctrinated into uh, in public school and the media and basically the consensus thinking of our society. So so the idea of, say, of, of modern-day satanic groups or occult uh, groups sacrificing human children is so alien from the consensus thinking that is based on pseudo-logic, pseudo-science, pseudo-reason that they reject it. And they reject it because they don't understand the very thing that the people at the highest levels in our society understand. And that is, and this goes back to the Fabian socialists like H.G. Wells and Aldous Huxley, uh, who were secretly members of occult groups. Uh, this goes back to um, uh, the park in France and uh, the fact that uh, during the French Revolution they were chopping people's heads off and blood was being spilt, and now you see like an Illuminati pyramid monument built over the place of blood sacrifice. They don't understand what these secret groups do because the secret occult groups at the very, very highest levels, there are men and women who have chosen to worship Lucifer, and people need to understand that a key component of satanic worship at the very, very highest levels is human sacrifice. They, Satan demands, or Lucifer demands, the spilling of human blood. And, and what is most precious to him is the spilling of or corrupting of innocent, the most innocent human blood that you can find, which would be, would be the blood of little children. The corruption through sexual abuse and uh, uh, sacrificial uh, killing, uh, that for some reason releases... Uh, in, in the followers of the occult and some of these secret groups, it, it releases and gives them a supernatural power. And we live in it, whether, whether people who are so-called rationalists want to admit it or not, we live in a supernatural world where there are supernatural laws and where there is supernatural power on the good side with God, like the power of the Holy Spirit, and then on the evil side with Lucifer, but this is this architecture of evil that people, they have a mental bias against it, 
because they're so entrenched in this pseudo-rational thinking. Because after all, the Fabian socialists claim to be atheists and materialists. The people of the French Revolution claim to believe only in logic and reason. But secretly, all of these people believe in the supernatural. So I think that's why they reject it. They're, they're, they reject it, and they, and they have a bias towards accepting it, because they've been indoctrinated in rationalism, and they have never uh, uh, allowed themselves to be exposed to truthful documentation that there's plenty of it out there, which proves that these things are real. So they have a mental bias that, that goes back from their earliest childhood years, and because they haven't done their homework, they can't get beyond their, let's, to put it bluntly, they can't get beyond their programming. And they've been programming, programmed to believe there is no supernatural, there is no Satan, there is no Lucifer. So then, how could there possibly be uh, human sacrifice? So I think that's what the reaction is. Very well, very well laid out. And interesting choice of words. They've been they can't get beyond their programming, but uh, very well laid out. Thank you. Hmm. Wow. wow, that's something. All right. Um, you, you know what, uh, Paul, we're, we're getting close to the top of the hour here. Um, and again, folks, go to paulmcguire.us, paulmcguire.us for uh, his new book. I just, uh, there it is right there. I just bounced right off there. And as a matter of fact, uh, it's coming out the 15th. Uh, it'll right. be shipping on the 15th. Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016, 2017. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, this is a new... If you already have a Prophecy of the Future of America, that's great. This contains new information beyond what's in the uh, initial Prophecy of the Future of America, plus it's up-to-date, up-to-the-minute information. So this is a must, really a must-have for any serious uh, um, person, person serious about the end times, end of, end of days that we're seeing here, especially in the West. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to read it myself yeah. again. PaulMcGuire.us. Uh, go there, and um, he has a store linked off of his website. Yep. And you can order uh, the books and uh, twenty paperback, twenty five bucks. And, and you know, it, it's great because when you, I, I like what you say here, when you learn to own the truth that nothing is impossible with God, you will develop an authentic and powerful faith in God. Which is what he has called us to have, especially for such a time as this. And, you know, never once, Paul, have you been fatalistic on our program. And, and that's, I think that that's your, one of your appeals to many people is the fact that you actually really, um, give all of us faith. Because I always say, and I've said this pretty, pretty consistently over the past couple of weeks, it doesn't matter who gets in the, really, the White House, it, it, to the extent of, our revival, because revival is going to come from the grassroots, from the ground up, not from the top down. Changes are going to be because of Christians who get off their butts away from their keyboards and and, and really um, make a difference and, and, and stand up, stand stand up, and stand tall. So absolutely, folks, you're listening to this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report with Paul McGuire, our guest. He'll be with us for the entire show, so stay with us. We have two hours left, and we will be right back after these short messages. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this very special edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. As we approach that day, that day of satanic overlay in California, Paul McGuire, basically at ground zero, shall we say. Paul McGuire is our guest, the author of a book going to be released in the middle of this month. And, and I highly recommend everyone get it. A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, along with the DVD set as well. That's a good, great package deal. Or multiple copies of, of his book. Just go to paulmcguire.us and all the information's right there. Yeah, but, but, uh, again, a man at, uh, ground zero for this Luciferian satanic, my goodness, uh, uh, ceremonial dirtying of the air, taking over of the city. By Satanists, one of the fastest-growing religions in the United States. Ah, go figure. And Paul, thanks for hanging with us and uh, uh, the great first hour. And, and I've got to say, we've got so much more ground to cover. Where do you want to go next here? Because there's just so much to talk about. Well, I, I want to pick up a little bit on that architecture of evil, and then uh, talk about the the uh, satanic temple of Los Angeles and their plan and, and why why it is in effect and um, again um, the purpose of all of my books and DVDs and stuff and by, by the way the, the brand new book A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017 they can get it at a discount price still if they pre-order it immediately um and it's all, it's 100% new material. It's, it's completely, it's all new. And one of the things I point out in that book, and I may have mentioned it before, the fastest growing religion right now in America is Wicca, which is witchcraft and paganism. That's the number one fastest growing religion in America is Wicca. Number two after that is Islam. And number three, and this is going to tie in to what I'm going to about to say about uh, the 
Satanic Temple and their activities. Um, Christianity is in rapid decline in America. Now, before I explain why, I I want to go back to it. You cannot progress in your thinking unless you know the truth about something. And we have millions and millions of people, countless millions of people, who are essentially locked in to, you know, the matrix, let's just call it that. Uh, And they're locked into an illusion of what they think reality is versus what reality really is, or what Dr. Francis Schaeffer used to call true truth or final reality. And most people think, well, reality is composed of what they see on TV and what they were taught in their school systems and what their friends say reality is. And so they're not willing to belly up and do their homework and really know what's really going on because that's going to require a stretching uh, of their mind, and it may be uncomfortable at first. So, again, back to this thing of... uh, uh, the nature and purpose of, of uh, satanic sacrifices. That's real. It's happening now. And people need to understand that that we have we have several classes of people in our world today. At, at the very top of the Illuminati pyramid, so to speak, we have what Huxley called the scientific elite or the technocratic elite that are ruling the world. And at the very top... They are deeply involved in the occult and Satanism. Uh, and that's what they believe, and that's their religion. And you've you got to understand that when they have the mindset of a Satanism, I'm not talking about a low-level Satanist, I'm talking about the highest level, they are capable of doing absolutely anything. I mean, Adolf Hitler and his occult Third Reich regime is a classic example of that. And... That's reality, but people don't want to. They don't want to admit that. But you see, when you understand that reality, it, it explains a lot of reasons for history and a lot of reasons for why things go on. Now, number two, uh, talking about the mo- money system, most of your listeners know, I would assume, um, that you know the Federal Reserve prints money from nothing. It's a completely uh, a system based on illusion. Or, or the sorcery in the book of Revelation. It is the essence of Mystery Babylon to have an international monetary system and a national monetary system of the Federal Reserve, which prints money for nothing, uh, and then loans it to the American government and the American people through a global... This is a global system that goes back to Babylon. It's, it's, it's called debt slavery. When you print money from nothing, and then you loan it to the governments of the world. They get trillions of dollars in debt, but then the American people have to pay off the debt. That's called debt slavery. You have made people your slaves economically by causing them to get into debt, and you've made governments your slaves by causing governments to get into debt. And you've done this all, not because you had superior power, you've done this all because you've created a magical system of sorcery and illusion. In other words, you didn't get there, you didn't get this power over nations and people because you had like, like you know, mountains full of gold or something. You have nothing you you see you you convinced the peoples and the governments that 
based on nothing, based on hypnosis, based on total illusion that you have this enormous wealth or power, and then you print dollars that have nothing to back them, nothing. There's not nothing to, that backs a dollar bill but, but words. It's a complete illusion. And so you, you exercise total control of populations based on the fact that you have nothing, but you've convinced everybody in the illusion that you have all this wealth. And that's what why it's called a magical system. Arthur C. Clarke, you know, who wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey, said science is magic. Kubrick was talking about this. Uh, and uh, any economist who really knows what's happening, which are very few, know the way the game is played. So you can't, you can't understand reality and the control system unless you, again, uh, are willing to accept the reality of an objective truth that I just talked about. I explain it in my book. Um, but you can't, you can't understand what's going on unless you understand that. Now, going back to the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles, um, I wrote an article, they can see it on my website, paulmcguire.us, but I talk about it in my book also. And essentially, um, I, I raised the question, you know, there's, there's two ways to uh, react to the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles. They drew a giant pentagram over the county of Los Angeles, and then they, uh, on the basis of a pentagram, they're going to have secret Satanic uh, worship ceremonies in five different points, like the pentagram. And in the city of Lancaster, they're going to have a special ceremony because one of the members of the Satanic Temple is running for the office of senator in the state of California. Now, there's two ways to approach that. You can be all horrified and complain about what the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles is doing, or you can recognize that the, the, the hard, cold truth is that they have every right constitutionally to do what they're doing as long as they don't break the law. And, you know, uh, we have, to, to a limited degree, uh, an open marketplace for the free market of ideas and for debate, and to, to a limited degree, uh, any group, uh, any religious group or whatever can promote their religious beliefs, and the person or group that's the most effective in communicating their beliefs will win the most converts. Now, as I discuss in my book, and this is critical for people to grasp, I mean, it's totally critical, because we can't have revival, we can't have a great awakening, and we can't change our nation unless we're willing to, to really embrace this truth. And if we embrace it, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth sets you free. It, we can become very powerful spiritually if we'll embrace it. But here's the deal. There's a, there, there's a basic formula that's being violated. I, I, I analyze the common characteristics of all these religions that are in the growth mode, like Wicca and Islam and even Scientology and Satanism and a number of other religions are all in the growth mode, the fast growth mode. And the reason is, is that uh, the people who teach and lead those religions believe in the teachings of Lucifer or L. Ron Hubbard or Islam or the Koran or whatever they happen to believe in. They believe in it passionately 
they believe that it's totally true, and they're completely committed to their belief system. In other words, they're sold out, or at least a lot of them are. And therefore, because they're passionate about what they believe, and they really believe what they believe, they're successful in winning converts. So, for example, if you're in the business world, any businessman or businesswoman or any salesperson would tell you that it's impossible for you to sell your product or service unless you passionately believe in your product or service. If you don't totally believe in your product or service, you're not going to sell it very well, and your business is going to fail. So all these other religions, they completely believe, they're completely passionate, they're, they're completely committed that their belief system or their religious tenets are true. So they're winning converts. That's why Islam is growing. They're, they passionately believe in the Koran, and they're converting people. The Satanists believe in what they're doing. Uh, and Wicca, Wicca is the fastest growing religion in America, and they believe passionately in their system of witchcraft and, and, and paganism, and therefore they're winning converts. Now, conversely, Christianity is um, upside down. It's in the twilight zone theologically, and, and I explain this in my book, and it's imperative to grasp this. Christianity believes that by using the secret-friendly, uh, not secret, the secret-friendly uh, growth models, that they could be successful in, in growing Christianity. But they, they embrace an illusion of reality versus actual, factual, hardcore data reality. So let me break it down really simply. Pastors and Christian leaders uh, and Christians, you know, they see all these megachurches on television where you have a giant stadium, indoor stadium, and the guy's preaching, and they go, wow, we must be having a tremendous revival in America. We must be winning converts to Christ like crazy because we have all these megachurches, or they hear about this megachurch or that megachurch where there's 15,000 or 25,000 people, and these megachurches um, get all this attention, and pastors and denominations and Christian leaders and Christians think by by because they see these mega churches they they falsely believe that our efforts at evangelism must be very successful and christianity must really be winning a lot of converts because now we have these huge mega churches whereas uh, uh two decades ago they didn't exist so we must be having a revival in america that is a totally false conclusion based on a false perception of reality. Because if you study the phenomenon of megachurches, megachurches are for the most part composed of people who are already Christians. They simply transported Christians from smaller churches and they gathered them all together in one big megachurch. So when you see 15 to 25,000 people in a megachurch, that doesn't come from new converts. It doesn't come from evangelism. It simply comes from shuffling the chairs on a cruise ship. You, you're simply cannibalizing, if you will, taking churches, you're taking Christians 
from pre-existing churches, like small ones, and you're bringing them over to your megachurch because you've got better music and a better building and, be- and better programs, et cetera, et cetera. So the megachurch of, of fifteen to 25,000 people does not re- represent real numerical growth of new converts and successful evangelism. You've just transplanted uh, people from smaller churches. So the growth is a complete illusion, and the growth is completely artificial. And you have all these these pastors and Christian leaders and denominations who are sucker-punched and think, oh, wow, if I adopt the seeker-friendly model of church growth, uh, you know, I can have a huge church. Well, yeah, by simply transplanting people that are already saved into your church. That's, that's, not, that's not church growth. It's, it's cannibalism. You're taking from one church and putting them into another. Number two is, and I explain this in the book and the DVDs, and people need to read it, people need to watch it, they need to share it with their pastor, they need to show it in their home group meetings, and they need to teach each other about it, because unless we understand the dynamics of what is happening, we are going, we, 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 Christianity will not exist in America. You know, in my new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, I have a chapter called Mega Mosques Coming to America. There are mega mosques right now in Britain and other European nations because Islam is growing so fast and Christianity is, is, is dying so quickly that the Christians can't afford the big churches that they've had. And so uh, the uh, Islamic uh, leaders are buying up all the big, not all, a significant number of big churches in Europe, and they're having mega mosques where 25,000 Muslims are gathering to worship. But many of those 25,000 Muslims were recently converted to Christ, uh, not Christ, were converted to Islam. Now, the mega mosque is coming to the United States quickly, and I prove it in the book. Detroit already has the, the beginning emergences of mega mosques. It will be a short period of time, within the next several years, and I hope if the Lord doesn't return, your, your listeners remember what they heard on the show tonight on Hagman and Hagman. I'm telling you, you're going to see mega mosques spring up all over America. And you're gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna stun you. At the same time, you're gonna see many of these uh, uh, Christian megachurches collapse because there's no real growth. Now, here's the thing: nine out of ten children from evangelical homes are walking away from their faith or rejecting their faith in Jesus Christ completely by the time they enter college. I want to repeat that again. Nine out of ten kids from Christian homes, by the time they become of college age, they have rejected their Christianity and walked away from their faith. You cannot have a hemorrhaging of that numerical uh, number. I mean, that's millions and millions of, of, of young people who become young adults who are rejecting Christianity. You have a, a, a pre-existing Christian group that is getting older, but there is not a sufficient number of new converts being run to Christ or being evangelized to, to keep 
Christianity as a growing, vibrant religion. Based on what happened is what is happening to the young people is, is the final proof. We're hemorrhaging. Christianity is dying in America. It's very. It's following Europe. In a, in a short number of years, it's going to be a very small and ineffectual religion if we do not radically change our approach. And that requires recognizing. And I'm not. I'm not saying this to attack megachurches. But they, but they need to understand that megachurches do not represent tr- true church growth. Now, how could they possibly? How if you're seventy percent t- of evangelical churches are teaching their uh, the Christians in their churches that the Bible is not completely true, that God's word is not completely true, that all the prophecies or, or scripture verses on Bible prophecy are not true. And a lot of Christian denominations and pastors are being taught and they're teaching their people in huge numbers that the Bible is not totally true. Bible prophecy is not true. It's just an allegory. It's just a symbol. So if you're telling your people that the Bible is not true and it's not reliable, how can you possibly expect any real church growth? The Muslims, the Satanists, the Scientologists, the Wiccans, they're not teaching their people that their religious beliefs are not true. They're not going around saying the Koran is not true. They are fully committed to the truth of their religious beliefs, and they're communicating their passion and their belief in the, in, in the truth of their, their spiritual system. How can you possibly have a religion where 70% of evangelical churches are teaching their uh, uh, church members that the Bible's not true in all the areas of Bible prophecy? It's just a mythology. It's just a symbol. And expect any church growth. That's insanity. Only an idiot would do that. I mean, that is the most self-destructive behavior. Businesses go bankrupt. If their people don't believe in the product or service, you're not going to sell whatever you're trying to sell. Why is that happening? It's happening, and I I explain this in the book of Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. It's happening because the, the leaders that the Christian pastors went to to get their seeker-friendly uh, growth uh, marketing program, those leaders came from the Frankfurt School in Germany in the 1930s, and the Frankfurt School was composed of cultural Marxists who sought to create Marxist revolutions in societies like the United States by changing the culture, like political correctness, and infiltrating the church. So the the Christian pastors in America went to the marketing leaders who were cultural Marxists, which means they were atheists and they believed in communism, but they believed in a communist revolution by changing the culture. That's where it was the cultural Marxists in the Frankfurt School. I I prove this and document it that created the church uh, church growth movement growth program. How to organize your church? 
how can you possibly expect your church to have long-term growth if the ideas and plans that you've built your church on were devised and invented by men who were cultural Marxists dedicated to the destruction of Christianity and had no intention of seeing Christianity flourish. Now, I can imagine all these pastors and Christians saying, oh, I don't believe that. Well, look, it's your responsibility to tell and to communicate your pastor the truth, because everything that I've said, I have in my book, I have in the DVD set, and I can document this. These are not some obscure ideas that I picked up out of the ozone somewhere, or got it from Mary Poppins or the Wizard of Oz. I have thorough documentation, legitimate historical references with quotes of how this whole thing played out. So unless we have a radical change in our thinking, unless we start teaching our people that the Bible is true, that God's Word is completely true, unless we are passionate and committed like the uh, uh, Islamics are, and as the Church of Scientology is, then we're not going to see revival and the Great Awakening. Absolutely, and and I just want to add here, now this is Doug Hagman from the Hagman Report talking here. Uh, you, you, uh, Paul referenced the Scientology. I would urge everyone to understand the role of Scientology in today's Christianity. Now, I know how that sounds. It sounds almost uh, contradictory, and it logically is. However, there is there are some commonalities here that that um, it well I'll just take a step back and, and and just say this I believe what we're seeing folks is the long war against Christianity coming to its ultimate conclusion the church the Christian church has been infiltrated from within uh, or has been infiltrated and now we're seeing its destruction from within by people who are uh, who have been elevated to positions of uh, publicity and authority, um, whether it's a, with the imprimatur of entertainers, Oprah, for example, um, and other influential people. You cannot take any of these things that Paul is saying individually. For example, you cannot you, you cannot look at today's the composition of today's Christian church. And the compromising principles, where you've got you've got Christian pastors who are lesbians, who are homosexuals, and who are um, uh, not only uh, um, acquiescing to that doctrine, but in some cases advocating and facilitating that under the banner of well, we all worship the same God. Let's all get along. Let's not judge. It's a perverted doctrine, a doctrine that has been perverted, but now. It's being taken from the uh, before. I mean, if you, if you think of the Vatican, for example, and, and the church scandal, the, the uh, abuse scandal, uh, the pedophilia scandals, and how that was handled for so many years. Now it's coming out into the open. And, and look how it's being handled now. Is it being rectified? No, it's not. It's, it's being managed but not solved. So all of this together, and I would urge everyone, because Paul has said so much important stuff today, information, 
and he's written about this in his in, in his upcoming book um, available here in two weeks prophecy of the future of america 2016-2017 um we we have got to take all of these from my investigative viewpoint and i say that because i'm a more of a linear thinker as opposed to people like paul and 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 steve quayle and others who are who can like process massive amounts of information i've got to i've got to like be quiet and hit things kind of in a dot by dot uh format so having said that when I look at this, uh, Paul, I, I, I'm seeing this long war against Christianity, against specifically against the words and the man of Jesus Christ or the, or the deity of Jesus Christ being played out today. And, and, and this is where we're at. And so many people are falling for this prosperity, perverted gospel um, based on an, a, a morsel of truth, but but uh, uh, exploited to such an extent it's unrecognizable from the original Word of God. So, And because of the lack of men and women who are true Christians, now you've got some, you've got some knowledge, very knowledgeable Bible, uh, well-versed in, in the Bible, people out there. But in, in many cases, and, and, and I've mentioned this before, and people might say, well, why do you bring this, keep bringing this up? Because it's a, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a festering, uh, pussy sore of a problem. You've got some, some people who are well versed in Christian verses in the Bible and such that are acting as prosecutors of those trying to get the truth out, spending so much time attempting to tear down, rip open, and say, well, he's not, you know, I mean, look, look, look at, uh, look at, uh, Hagman, or look at Paul McGuire, or look at Steve Quayle. I mean, you know, um, they're, they're attempting to, to tear us down and, and others like us instead of elevating the word and helping and bringing people to the truth. And, and so what we're seeing is not only on, in my view, Paul, and you can comment on this, but it, not only on a large grand scale, global scale of the haves versus the have-nots, a societal chaos that's been orchestrated, the race, the racial divide, um, and other divides being, being, um, uh, exponentially uh, exploited, but you're seeing it uh, kind of like a microcosm within the church itself, the Christian church, and by individual Christians. Uh, only, and, and the result is, I mean, you can compare this to the elections. Um, you know, you throw in a spoiler, maybe to take out one of the, uh, or to take out either the Republican or Democrat nominee, throw in a spoiler. That's what many Christians are doing under the guise of Christianity, under the guise of, of, um, um, well, I'm not even sure what their goal is aside from destroying the church and, and, and destroying individual Christians and their work. So, I mean, it, this is a, this is huge, but it's all, uh, it's all a part of a big, bigger, um, uh, agenda and puzzle. Well, I, I agree with you. And I think, um, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're in a, um, uh, an all-out spiritual battle for the heart and soul of our nation and the future of our nation. And uh, tragically, um, there are a certain percentage of uh, Christians who spend all their time uh, attacking other Christians because the other Christians don't match up to their personal um, uh, checklist. We're not talking about 
uh, attacking them because they're violating some major tenet of the faith. And and that really, um, you know, when when there's a spiritual war going on for the, for, for the heart and soul of our nation, and uh, people, uh, and these are always self-appointed people, self-appointed sheriffs, if you will, uh, are firing, so to speak, and taking down, attempting to take down um, uh, people who are really uh, making a difference because they don't measure up to every jot and tittle. Uh, essentially, um, they've adopted the, the spirit of the Pharisees, um, and they are attacking um, the work of, of God. And um, it's my prayer and hope that the average Christian would be mature enough to recognize that there is a certain percentage of people who who hide. They always hide. Uh, you ne- they never, you know, speak publicly anywhere or appear publicly anywhere. They, they completely hide, and they attack people. Uh, uh, legitimate Christian ministries, especially the ones that are really effective in doing something. And um, pe- people need to smarten up to that, because if they don't, we're, we're going to be undermined within. within. Um, and, and I'll just leave it at that. There's a lot yeah. of people mm-hmm. who are, you know, hiding. And they all, the, the common characteristic is they fire at other Christians, but they themselves never appear in public. Uh, they exactly. don't make public, yeah. you know. Yep. They don't make public appearances. They just hide, and uh, that's that's very dangerous. Now, on the other hand, though, um, and, and, I, and the reason I wrote the book and the DVDs is that I believe that if God's people will will educate themselves and educate uh, their brothers and sisters in Christ and educate a Christian leader. Uh, and leaders, um, I take from the Bible the, the, the biblical plan on how to turn things around. And there's two two elements. One is, even though the the, the situation is very intense, um, you don't have to have a majority of Christians to turn around this nation. The, the biblical model is most often God uses a minority. Uh, to, to, to change the direction of a nation. Uh, so we can have a minority. If, if we have a dedicated minority, a remnant, of people who really love the Lord, and by the way, the, the, major, the major characteristic of a true Christian is, and Dr. Francis Schaeffer, who I had the privilege of working with his family, wrote a book called The Mark of a Christian, and he said the true mark of a Christian is this, that they love one another. And Jesus said this over and over again in First John, love one another, and by this will all men know that you are my disciples. So if you're throwing hand grenades at your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and attempting to tear them down, uh, you're not loving one another. And the primary way that Jesus said the world will know we are his disciples if we love one another. And if you see in somebody's life the absence of loving one another, 
or let's even take the issue of critiquing a brother and sister of Christ because you may disagree with them theologically or something. The first rule is that you're to speak the truth in love. If you've got your little machine gun out and you're attempting to rip down and tear down a Christian who's doing something from the Lord, and your critique, you're not speaking the truth in love, then you're not uh, motivated by the Holy Spirit. You're you're just a self-appointed person uh, doing what you're doing in the flesh, because we are to speak the truth in love. So if we're going to correct somebody, we do so in a spirit of love. And love assumes first that the, the best of the other person. So we speak the truth in love, and the primary way that the the world knows that we're believers is that we love one another and loving one another doesn't mean that we have that we necessarily overlook uh serious differences not differences um um you know like heretical beliefs like you don't believe in the resurrection of jesus christ i'm not talking about that but if you're you got your machine gut out because somebody doesn't measure up to every little jot and tittle of your particular belief system uh, then you're not loving one another. And that is the, the, the primary way that the world knows that we're his disciples, if we love one another. So when you see somebody and they don't have that love for one another and they're not speaking the truth in love, they're not from the Lord. Now, the other thing is the Bible teaches us that a remnant or a minority that tr- that, that has the love of God and the Holy Spirit in their hearts that um, is committed to the Lord um, and is calling out to God for a biblical revival and is evangelizing and has a vision for uh, taking back our nation to, to whatever degree the Lord will allow that to happen. We can see, even in this in this time frame that we're in, we can see in, 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 a, in a matter of a relatively quick period of time a significant turnaround in the spiritual battle of America. We can see the, the, the winds of the spiritual battle change direction. We can see the, the growth of Christianity return. We can see the spread of Christianity return. We can see the influence of Christianity on the culture return uh, relatively rapidly. And the reason for that is the difference between Christianity and all the other religious movements that I mentioned and religions that I mentioned, the fundamental difference is, is that it is only Christianity where we worship uh, the true God, uh, the the true biblical God of the universe, and we worship the God that proved he is the true God because he's the only God that resurrected from the dead. No other God or a small g or a prophet did that. He resurrected from the dead. He's coming back again. He performed miracles that no other person in human history performed. And it's a matter of an accurate historical record. And um, Jesus Christ promised to give his disciples the comforter and the counselor um, when he ascended into heaven. So because 
Jesus Christ made the power of the Holy Spirit available to his followers, that's you and me and everybody listening, we are the only uh, religious group that serves the true God, and we're the only uh, religious group that has the opportunity, if we accept Jesus Christ into our lives and are born again, that the Holy Spirit will take up residence in our hearts. And if the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts, then the third person of the Trinity uh, lives inside us. Jesus lives inside us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And then if we will choose to read the Word of God and renew our minds with the Word of God, we come to the place where... We just don't think like ordinary people. We think like supernatural Christians, rational supernatural Christians, not crazy, rational supernatural Christians, where Jesus said all things are possible with God, and we're given this powerful promise that if we abide in him, Jesus, and Jesus abides in us, that whatever we ask him, it will be done for us. And then Jesus goes on to say that all things are possible with God. So that means that if we choose to allow ourselves to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we choose to renew our mind with the Word of God, that we have been given by the true living God of the universe, Jesus Christ, the only one who resurrected from the dead, we have been given the supernatural power of God. We should not be afraid of the reality of the supernatural power of God. It doesn't mean you have to be a crazy or a wacko. And if we walk in the supernatural power of God, and we learn how to think supernaturally and how to act supernaturally, then what we do is not the result of uh, our, merely our own human energy and struggle, which at best is, is somewhat impotent. If we move in and operate in the dunamis power of God, which comes from the term dynamite, the explosive force of the power of the Holy Spirit, and use the mind of Christ, we can be used by God, and God will substantially amplify exponentially our efforts. He will give us his ideas. He will make a way where there is no way. Uh, all kinds of things can happen that won't happen to people in these other religious systems because they're not serving the true God and they don't have access to the supernatural power of God. If we would stop taking our relationship with God and stop um, acting in our relationship with God as if, see, we say we're Christians, but we, but in our day-to-day lives, we act as if God uh, didn't resurrect from the dead. We, we, we build our lives purely on the basis of our own human energy and uh, limited power and struggle. But if we would surrender that and would walk supernaturally and take advantage of God's supernatural resources, we could see in a, in a relatively quick period of time a biblical revival break out at least in every place that God's people uh, cried out to him for, we could see to whatever degree God permits 
a third great awakening. And we could see God begin to move very powerfully in America. That doesn't mean, you know, there's going to be an overturning of, of God's prophetic word. It doesn't mean Bible prophecy is going to be undone. But if there's a sufficient remnant that will lay hold of God seriously, and the power of God is released in our nation like it was during the First Great Awakening and Second Great Awakening, we can see a divine turnaround. We can see the powers of darkness press back. I, I want to just challenge your listeners to totally rethink their, pers- their position and their perspective about what's going on in America right now. Every, all the negative stuff is true. The level of danger is totally accurate and probably understated. But I want to challenge every person listening to, to, to your show to rethink their position and rethink their perspective in the reality of the promises of God's Word and then reevaluate what is possible in their lives and what it's possible for God to do uh, locally, on a community level, nationally, what what is possible? What it is possible for for God to do, if even a small remnant will get serious with God and lay hold of God, um, I believe that all of us, including myself, we are unintentionally limiting God, and we have un- unintentionally embraced what I call a non-biblical pessimism. And I talk about this in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. If we would synchronize our belief systems and our actions with the Word of God, I think we would see uh, uh, a release of God's power at a level we never thought was possible. I think we've put God in a box. I think we've we've artificially... Uh, reduced God to our size instead of worshiping as he is. And, you know, I use in the book uh, numerous examples of men, uh, ordinary men that God used, who all uh, laid hold of God. You know, Daniel, Joseph, uh, even King Solomon, before he backslid and began to worship foreign wives, he was, he was the wealthiest man in the world. He was far wealthier than the Rothschild Empire. And King Solomon simply prayed to God uh, with the right motive. He said, God said, what do you want from me, Solomon? And Solomon said, give me wisdom that I may lead your people uh, righteously and properly. And God responded to Solomon by saying, because you didn't ask for wisdom just for yourself, because you didn't ask for riches just for yourself, but because you asked me for wisdom that you might lead my people uh, 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 in a a good way, I am going to bless you beyond any other ruler in human history, and you will be the wealthiest ruler that ever lived in the history of mankind, and you will be the wisest ruler that ever lived in the history of mankind. And from that point forward, the kingdom of Solomon was an unprecedented power and economic force in which the kings of all the wealthiest nations in the world, like the Queen of Sheba, would come to him, and they would offer financial tributes to him. They would give him 
the equivalent of hundreds of billions of dollars of gold in an offering just to hear his wisdom and counsel. And during the empire of Solomon, uh, the wealth of Israel was so outstanding that silver, which we considered uh, consider a, 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 a metal of extremely high value, silver was as common as a penny under the reign of Solomon. It was only later when Solomon backslid and began uh, worshiping foreign wives and getting into the occult that the whole thing fell apart. But when Solomon was following God, he took him from nothing and and made a, a formidable world empire. The same with Joseph. Joseph was an economic advisor. God supernaturally gave Joseph the ability to interpret um, he was the first prepper to interpret the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine, and he enriched Egypt, he protected God's people. And there are so many accounts of men that when they really sought the Lord, God gave them supernatural ideas, supernatural ability in a short period of time. Now, God did not give us those lessons just, you know, as amusing fairy tales. All of those lessons are living lessons that we should be applying and are applicable in our lifetime today, in America today. They're, they're, you know, the story of Joseph and the story of Daniel and the story of Solomon, and we could go down the list, the story of David, those are not just, you know, things that we put up in, in history and worship. That Those truths are supposed to be uh, applied in our lives today. But the reality is the average Christian today is reticent and afraid to really embrace the reality, the miraculous reality of the incredible power and wisdom of God that's available to them if they would surrender their unbelief, because unbelief shuts the switch off, then if they would really believe God at his word and repent of their unbelief and and accept the Word of God as true. Simply accept the Word of God as true and act on it. I believe God could take a remnant, and within a relatively short period of time, we would see a dramatic difference in our nation. I'm not saying everything is going to be, you know, uh, wonderful, but at least we wouldn't see uh, an unrelentless assault of the enemy and the decline of Christianity because right now we're in a place of uh, collective despair, hopelessness, and fear. And when you read the Bible, God has made a covenant with his people that whenever God's people will seek his face and seek his word and repent of their sins, God will remove the yoke of fear, the yoke of captivity, and God will supernaturally supply supernaturally guide and supernaturally defend his people in a way that goes way beyond their human ability and our time is no different than any other time in the bible the short circuit between us and god's power is our unbelief and when we surrender our unbelief as an idolatrous god and repent of the primary sin which is our unbelief and we believe God and then act upon it, I think we will be shocked to discover how powerful God is 
and how immediate he is and how his reality will break through uh, the fog of our unbelief and he'll show up in the present conflicts and we will see uh, a game changer of unprecedented proportions literally break out all over our nation but God's waiting on us absolutely <clears throat> he is and when we see this um, you know people for a lot of reasons in especially in the America and in the West um, things don't become real until people have to go through certain events or go through trials and tribulations in their life and I think that we have a lot of this mentality in our country today where people won't understand the, the power uh, that the Lord can work in their life until it's put to the test in a way that's out of their, their ability to control the situation. And I think that, uh, you know, you mentioned in the beginning of the show the amount, what was it, 9 out of 10 people at the college age are, are leaving uh, the faith, Christian faith, which was what their parents practice I mean that's a that's a huge number and I wonder what is leading children aside from you know the uh, technology the the morals of our country uh, because I know for me growing up you know I, I was a bad kid but I still stayed with what was taught to me uh, as a child as far as the Bible and Jesus but to see nine out of ten children losing their faith, or, or teenage and twenty-year-olds losing their faith at the uh, college age, is very troubling. And how many people lose their faith before they are able to have it, you know, be able to see for themselves that they that it does work, but they just haven't. It just hasn't been put to the test. Um, and folks do this a lot. I mean, they dis disengage themselves from the actual. Uh, obedience aspect of things and and stick to the uh, word of mouth or, or lip treatment service as we see so often in our society today uh, but we are up against the top of the hour break when we come back we're going to touch on the uh, the 6 6 2016 uh, what's going on in los angeles the satanic temple that is putting out this and is there is there new information on this? We're gonna to have to, to hit on this on the other on the other side. A giant pentagram to raise awareness for Satanism on the six six sixteen. Uh, I don't know if this is the same what they plan on doing the five points of fire, but we're gonna talk about this on the other side, uh, as well as what effect they have uh, they plan to have on the society uh, around them that's not being talked about because there's stuff that, as you said, Paul the. The Wiccan religion is growing, the Satanist is growing, atheism is growing, and the people do believe more passionately than we see in Christianity, these religions. Folks, we're going to touch on this on the other side. We're talking with Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. Get his new book, Order Now, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. We'll be right back. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Never look at your seat, tone, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy 
by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this very special edition, final hour, actually, a very special edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, our guest tonight, Paul McGuire, author, researcher, professor. I mean, I'll tell you something. Um, the books that Paul McGuire has written, and I think I have every one of them, uh, just incredible. Uh, just so thankful to have his gift of time on our program. And, and folks, you know, Paul does... Uh, pretty much on an average monthly basis um, uh, prayer intercessory prayer meetings in the LA area and watch for those to be announced but please attend if you're within a day's drive it is so important to attend you can get really become enriched blessed inspired informed all of the above by by what Paul does and truly an outreach um, you know, and and I'll tell you something. One of these days, uh, Paul will look out in the in, in the ballroom there and see our faces sitting out there, just kind of as a surprise. Because uh, I, I've seen, you know, I got to tell you, I've seen Paul. I've seen Paul many times uh, preach and speak, and the energy delivered is just beyond anything that uh, can be really described. And uh, even even to the extent that DVDs can't really capture that 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 spirituality and and uh, a man's man and a man of integrity character and a true Christian. But speaking of books, Joe, you were you were mentioning as we were coming back about the prophecy of the future of America 2016-2017 and what Paul has done. Go ahead. Yeah, he's got um, <clears throat> special deals that you can get, folks. You can pre-order the uh, book and DVD. And there are uh, sales for both the book and DVD pre-orders. Uh, and all pre-orders will get the book before the general population gets the book. Um, PaulMcGuire.us is a website. Uh, Paul, do you want to talk about the, the book and DVD specials you got going on right now? Yeah, the book, <clears throat> I believe, is going to be released uh, June 15th. And that means all the people that have pre-ordered the book in order of, you know, when they ordered it, <clears throat> they get it mailed to them uh, before the general public. Um, so they get it before the public. But but the other good thing is <clears throat> if you order the book or the DVD set or the book and the DVD set now, you can still get the special discount uh 
of the pre-order. So there's still time for you to pre-order if you act now and save money. And you go to paulmcguire.us and you'll see a, a, a big banner for the book or the book and the DVDs. You'll get the special discounted price and plus you get it shipped to you before it's made available to the general public because all pre-orders uh, get shipped out to people <clears throat> before the public. So I think it's a good, it's a great way to save money. Now I, now I really believe people will be blessed by the book and the DVD. I really do. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and in your um, prophecy of the future of America, uh, in your your initial one, and, and folks, even if you have that, understand this is a totally new uh, work, and, and uh, Paul's put a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it's up to the minute, cutting edge information. So, highly recommended, and uh, it's on our list certainly, and I, I can't wait because. We will be one of the, uh, hopefully, one of the first to uh, to, to grab it, and uh, they'll just devour it. But uh, well, so so thank you for doing that. I know how much time and effort it takes to to, to write, and uh, you're, you're and, and by the way, folks, visit PaulMcGuire.us for his latest writings, his latest uh, uh, video messages as well. That's PaulMcGuire.us, linked off of Hagman and Hagman.com. Paul, where do you want to go? We need to cover like a well, lot of things, so go ahead. Yeah, well, one thing I want to say, <clears throat> this has to do with the growth of these religions and the growth of the Satanic Temple, etc., um, and that is the competitive nature. I don't know any other way to say it, but essentially we're in a battle for the hearts and minds of mankind. <clears throat> so, so we're competing, and the competition is a is a spiritual war, spiritual battle. One of the things that I did in this new book, um, and I do at the meetings, is uh, the, the Lord began to deal with me, and uh, He said, "You know, I, you got to give the the, the the tough truths, which I did, but you also have to give people like real hope anchored to reality, and teach them and educate them. For example, uh, about how they can see." my supernatural power at work in their lives. And I know people are a little bit hesitant about the word supernatural, but God is a supernatural God. So, um, for example, uh, from the, this last prophecy and prayer meeting that we had, and this has been happening a lot, we always pray for the nation. That's one of the main purposes of the meetings is I teach on Bible prophecy, and then we pray for revival, and then the, the, the Lord just uh, really put it in my heart that I need to go back to praying for people, uh, which can be a little bit of exhausting, but I literally will pray for every single person who comes to the meeting if they want uh, prayer, and if they don't, you know, there's no pressure. So <clears throat> what I've been hearing, and um, and this has been a blessing, is that many people are emailing me after they go to the meetings and after they've been prayed for, and God touches them in a very powerful way, and I'm getting reports of people where uh, God has spoken to them um, with business ideas. God has given them, like, supernatural guidance on what to do with a, a financial situation, uh, what, what to do with a business or to start a new business. And I'm delighted to hear that God is speaking to people after they've been pray, uh, prayed for, 
and giving them practical wisdom, entrepreneurial advice, and then other things like um, uh, his supernatural anointing and blessing on talents and abilities, whether they're musicians or filmmakers. We have people from the Hollywood community come there. And God is doing um, miraculous things, and that way he, he proves his reality uh, to people. And, and when I say miraculous things and the supernatural, you know, it doesn't have to be weird. I don't allow, by the way, weird stuff in the meetings. Everything's decently and in order, but God does move supernaturally, and I thank I, I thank the Lord for that. That uh, some of the people that you know have been given uh, been given uh, business ideas and entrepreneurial ideas, um, and they've acted upon them, and uh, we're all being blessed because of it. Now, the, the Satanists and the Scientologists, um, I guess to a lesser extent, Islam. But the Satanists and the Scientologists, you know, they promise results. They basically say if you do this or you do this ritual or you uh, participate in the programs of L. Ron Hubbard, you'll have breakthrough, uh, you'll achieve your goals, you'll have a happy marriage, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, well, they're, they're trying to sell the, the benefits of, of their religion, and I don't want to be crass, but uh, the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, when when we believe the Bible and we act on the Bible, God supernaturally blesses his people in tangible ways, uh, like the way I was talking about when praying for people. So people are blessed in tangible ways. So in, in the book, I did research into scientists, um, the, the, the mindset of science, um, technology and science, uh, scientific invention, scientific, scientific technology. And I know I've said this on the program, but it, but it needs to be said again because it's, it's critical to understanding um, a powerful truth. And that is, why was America, I mean, America has invented more scientific discoveries, more technologies than any other nation in the history of mankind. I won't even start to mention it. I'd go on for an hour. Everything from personal computers, automobiles, the light bulb, whatever. Why is it that America developed more technologies and science and the most powerful economy up until recently than any other nation in the world? Well, they don't tell you in the public school system, and they don't tell you in the media. The reason is is that the American people were exposed to uh, a biblical worldview and to Christian uh, uh, truths. And because millions and millions of Americans, since the foundation of our nation, were exposed to biblical thinking, biblical ideas, and biblical truths, the biblical truths freed up their mind so powerfully that it was because of the biblical truths we have a constitution and a bill of rights that has given more freedoms and more protections to more people than any other governing document in the history of mankind. And it came right out of the Bible. Now, the, the public school system is trying to censor that. The media is trying to censor that. Number two is... Why did America produce more technological inventions, 
more scientific discoveries by far, by, by, by quantumly far, than any other nation in the history of civilization. And again, they're trying to censor this in the public schools and in the media. Uh, they don't want the, the people to know the truth, because if they did know the truth, then people would read the Bible again. Uh, it's the same answer. Because we exposed millions of Americans since the beginning of our nation to biblical ideas, biblical truths, they developed kind of like a biblical way of looking at the world and reality, and as a consequence of a biblical worldview and a Christian belief system, once again, we produced more economic prosperity for more people than any other nation in the world, and we developed more inventions, more science, more technology, by far than any nation in, in, on planet Earth because we allowed that biblical worldview to flourish. And then I did a study of scientists, and all the great scientists and all the great inventions and all the great scientific discoveries, for the most part, uh, were discovered by men and women who were Christians or Jews who had a biblical worldview. So science and all the great scientific discoveries and all the technology was developed or invented by men and women who, who held to a biblical worldview of one kind or another. It's only been recently that um, this has not been the case. And the reason for that, I believe, has to do with the political religious suppression of men and women who are scientists, inventors, um, they're, they're being censored. If they don't, for example, go along with global warming or if they don't go along with evolutionary theory, you know, they're censored. They don't get the scientific grants. But there's a direct correlation between having a biblical worldview and economic prosperity, uh, business development, um, science, and technology. Now, I did another study, and I put it in the book. The communist nations are in a, crisis, in a crisis, especially China, because China is very aggressive. They want to be the world's leading economy, but they have a problem. Their people have an artificial ceiling in their mind. Their people, the Chinese, communist Chinese people, and in many other uh, communist nations, they, they cannot think intellectually they have a mental block against being entrepreneurs. They have a mental block about starting new businesses, a mental block about uh, inventing things scientifically, and a mental block against developing new tech technologies. In other words, they have a mental handicap, and the, and the Chinese, communist Chinese government recognizes this, and the reason they do is because from childhood, they have been indoctrinated to be compliant and to think in a kind of dumbed-down state so they'll be good communist citizens. But the communist Chinese government has recognized that this has crippled their people's ability to compete with nations like America, where in America the American people still have that can-do uh, Christian mentality uh, and invent science and technology. So in China and other communist nations, they're sending their people through rigorous programs to kind of deprogram them of some of their uh, communist uh, 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 
uh, compliant belief systems so that they can free up their minds to invent science and technology. Now, the reason I show that study is because it proves that biblical thinking produces excellence in business, financial prosperity, freedom, technological, and scientific development. So here in America, uh, we're dumbing down our children, and we're going to pay a price for it. But in the communist nations, they recognize the value, even though they don't want Christianity, they recognize the value that biblical thinking brings. So I'm saying all of this to say that when we understand what our forefathers did, when we understand how to think biblically, when we understand to apply a Judeo-Christian worldview to science, technology, to business, or any area of life, that kind of biblical thinking automatically produces prosperity, inventions, and technology. And so we need to rediscover that as Christians today, and um, I believe we'll see an explosive release in uh, God uh, building businesses and developing new science and technologies through, through his people. Because that's that's the the byproduct of biblical thinking. Knowing the truth sets you free, but knowing the truth from the Word of God also frees your mind to think on a far higher level. Now, you're never going to hear that in the magazines or the media or television or the educational system because they don't want that to be known. But biblical thinking, you know, Scientology claims to free up your mind. But the Bible really delivers, and God's Word really does free up your mind. Absolutely, and that's one thing people don't uh, understand that don't get into the Scriptures and don't pray and don't apply their faith into action is that when you do these things that the Lord tells us to do, not only for our benefit um, eternally, but for our uh, benefit here on earth, it does free up your mind. It does create a new way of thinking. And, you know, you could even attribute some of critical thinking skills. And, I mean, people get so entwined in their own way, in their own beliefs, in their own uh, lust of their heart that they go off on these uh, crazy searches. But a lot of information you can receive from reading the Bible and being in, in tune with Jesus and, and through prayer. Um, it does change your mind if you read the Bible correctly and, and apply your faith correctly. Uh, absolutely, because, for example, if you just take the book of Proverbs and some of the other books, and it says over and over and over again about seeking for God's wisdom as you would seek for precious jewels or gold and silver. Now, just think about that for a moment. We're told in the Word of God to cry out and seek for God's wisdom with all of our heart and mind, as if we were seeking for precious gold and jewels and silver. And then it says that we will actually be better off if we have God's wisdom than if we have the precious gold and silver and jewels. Well, what God is telling us there, that if we will really seek His face and renew our minds with the Word of God, God will give us, he promises in his word to give us supernatural wisdom, 
And that supernatural wisdom will have more value in our lives than if we had a whole bunch of precious gold and um, uh, jewels. Because what God is saying is that his wisdom can benefit our life not only financially and in uh, excellence and breakthrough in whatever field or whatever we're doing. It can it can meet our needs. It can give us guidance. It can keep us from from having panic attacks and PSTD and all kinds of things. So, you know, as as modern Christians, we really minimize the power and the promises of God's Word. And I believe, and as I said, um, I write about this in the book, we need to rediscover that, because uh, I assembled a whole bunch of data to prove that those people that that do what, what the Bible says and will renew their mind. I, I remember working with um, a great man of God uh, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, Bill Bright, and he, he raised billions of dollars uh, to preach the gospel worldwide through the Jesus film and, and other things. And he, uh, he, his ministry, Campus Crusade for Christ, reached billions of people. And I, rem- I, and I got the opportunity to work with him for a while. And he used to teach this principle, and I'll never forget it. And he said, you need to, he always believed in renewing your mind with the Word of God. And then he said, you need to learn how to think supernaturally and act supernaturally, which means that whatever situation or problem you find yourself in life, whether it's financial, employment, relationship, whatever it is, you need to renew your mind with the Word of God and look at your problem, look at your challenge, uh, look at your business or marriage or whatever it is that's, that's creating the conflict, and stop trying to figure it out and fix it just on the basis of your own finite human mind. Really learn how to think supernaturally and act supernaturally. And uh, he did that, and if uh, everybody who's listening does that, and I do that, we will find that we can live life and do the things that God created us to do, solve many of the problems that we thought were unsolvable. And, and, and I have just like, it's like a confession to make, you know, I talk about this stuff, I research this stuff and write this stuff, but guess what? I have to live this stuff. So a lot of times I'll give a message on this or write about it, and then I will be facing in my own personal life challenges and things that I'm tempted to say, oh, there's no way out, or I can't fix this, or whatever. And then my own research or writing or messages will ring in my ears, and I I realize, Paul, you're going to have to practice what you've been teaching other people to do, you got to live it. And if you can't live it and make it work in your own life, then what good is it? And and that's hard to do, but I, you know, it's a fight to do it, but I do it and I discover, and it's not easy, you know, I'm not saying all of this stuff happens with a snap of your fingers, but when you do that, and there's always a challenge, there's always a spiritual battle, you'll discover that things will open up for you, and you will see God move uh, in your life at, 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 at levels that you never thought were possible. Again, I'm not saying it's easy. It is not easy. But, hey, uh, 
it it works. Uh, it's uh, you know, and and so everything I'm talking about, I have to live. God forces me to live what I teach about. It keeps me honest. Wow, and that's that's an example for all of us, I guess. When you when you really get down to the uh, uh, down to the basics, we all have to live what we speak and what we. I mean, that's our first order of business, I suppose, to make it real simple. Um, and if we are to fight, and we are appointed to fight the uh, the darkness, the, the ever encroaching darkness, we have to have our own houses in order. And I, I mean, it, it's it's really pretty basic, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, it is. And, and when you when you look at the Old Testament and you you see all the leaders and kings and whatever, and um, you notice that uh, they had adversaries or they had to go into a battle or whatever or go into a war. Now I'm talking about this in a spiritual sense, but whenever they would go off just on the basis of their own human wisdom in terms of what they in their own human minds thought was the right thing to do and whenever they didn't consult God and whenever they didn't bother to take the time to seek God's guidance no matter how well intentioned they were they ended up losing the battle their people ended up getting slaughtered and they they went through some horrible stuff why why because they didn't take t- before embarking on a course of action they didn't take the time to truly seek the Lord. And to truly seek the Lord, you've got to first believe that he will answer you uh, if you'll ask him. And that works in our lives today. No matter what problem any single one of your listeners may be facing or whatever the, the whole bunch of problems are, uh, God's willing to help them if they will... Um, ask God for help, and then take the time to listen to his answer, rather than just, you know, being headstrong and just deciding in your own wisdom without consulting God and running off uh, doing something. Because uh, God really does give supernatural wisdom, and God's ideas are always better than our ideas. You got that right. Amen to that. All right. Well, uh, uh, certainly there's an encroaching, enveloping, oily darkness uh, coming across uh, on the event horizon, I, I see. Right. And, uh, right. you know, it, it, now more than ever, it's uh, to me, it's never been more important to really become spiritual and to immerse ourselves in, in the Word. You know, I, I, I never used to say that, but now I, I, I do. Uh, I've grown to that point. I, I'd like to think that's the case and where I can understand or at least I see that we're, we're fighting the spiritual battle, this massive spiritual battle. Um, we had started out the, the show today talking about uh, Paris and, and the Illuminati uh, uh, attributes of Paris and, and the Illuminati itself, and of course what that is and the satanic aspects of of everything that, that we're seeing take place, and and really um, the rise of to, to to me, I guess I'm looking at this uh, as objectively as I can. Um, and again, uh, from an investigative viewpoint, I, I'm, I'm seeing the, the, the rise of Wicca, uh, the, the rise of Islam, um, 
in, in which you which you said most accurately, we, you know, we're going to see mega mosques all across spring up all across America, and and I think Paul, and, and don't you think that that that's a, a, a large result of this of a power vacuum of Christians not not really uh, playing their appointed positions in terms of yeah, uh, well, absolutely, yeah, I mean it's just it, it's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, well, absolutely, because because here's the deal: you have um, all of these religions, whether it's Scientology or Islam or Satanism or Wicca or some Eastern mystical religion or New Age movement, or whatever it is, all of these religions are showing up in society. They're playing hardball. They're playing to win. They're trying to make their voices known. They're standing up for their rights, and they're fighting for their rights through the courts or whatever. They put pressure. Let's give an example. You can take just about any issue, um, and let's just talk about Islam for a moment. Many of the things that are being done to Christians... Uh, by many uh, uh, sectors of our society today in America in terms of persecution, in terms of harassment, uh, et cetera, et cetera, would never, uh, would never be done to Muslims because uh, the various groups and agencies that are attacking Christians and, and they're unrelentless are terrified of attacking uh Muslims, because they know us Muslims play hardball, they won't take it, and they're going to give them uh, a fight uh, legally and through uh, pressure or whatever. The, the Muslims are going to stand their ground, and they're not going to let up till they get their way. Whereas Christians have, because of bad leadership and people, people, you know following uh, bad, not bad, well, yeah, bad Christian leaders uh, who lead them to, to compromise and to, to surrender, Christians have allowed themselves to become a soft, soft target. Scientologists, if you mess with Scientology, you're going to pay a price. Scientology will hit back and hit back hard. Not to mention the Satanists. The Satanists have a tiny minority, but if you mess with them... I mean, they are boldly erecting these uh, monuments of the Baphomet in major cities across the United States. They are boldly having their literature distributed. With with this uh, satanic temple of Los Angeles, um, they're having uh, five, uh, they're having these rituals and, and and secret worship ceremonies. But in the city of Lancaster, in five locations to represent a pentagram. But in the city of Lancaster, they have this big celebration going on. They're not that large numerically. I mean, I would imagine that the amount of members of the uh, Satanic Temple of Los Angeles is minuscule. I'm talking, I'm going to guess, 100 people? 100 people. That's just a guess. And even if I'm wrong and it's 500 people, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. But they are openly... Um, uh, supporting one of their own members is running for the Senate in uh, California uh, from Lancaster, and they're going to Lancaster to publicly stand up for and support uh, their their man. In addition, they're distributing to the city of Lancaster the equivalent of, of the Satanic Bible, 
this literature called the Seven Tenets. So they're openly distributing satanic literature uh, to the politicians of Lancaster. Now, you compare that to Christians. Christians are in the millions in the state of California. They're hiding. They're on the defensive. They don't stand up for their rights. They allow themselves to be pushed around. And guess what? If you continue to not stand up for your rights, the message goes out real quickly that you're a soft target, and the enemies of the gospel and those that hate Christianity are going to keep harassing you, keep attacking you, until they just pulverize you. This mentality in the Christian community that, you know, you should just be a little coward and and never stand up for what you believe is going to cost you everything. Yeah. The Satanists uh, don't do that. Yeah. No, no, not at all. No. Yeah, and, and you know something, we, and, and this is something I, I truly believe, um, I, I believe that before Obama leaves office, maybe I'm wrong in the time on this, but it, it doesn't matter. I, I see where Christianity um, is going to be regarded as hate speech. When I say the, when I say that, I'm not talking about the mega church Christi- Christianity. I'm talking about the the hardcore Christianity that that calls uh, homosexuality the abomination that it is. Well, I'm I'm talking about the Christianity that uh, 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 that uh, would warrant or or would uh, re- require those. Uh, or it tells it like it is about abortion, which is child murder, child sacrifice, and exposes the the evil deeds of Planned Parenthood. And now we're 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 seeing Paul, where those people who and and this is something I just I I can't wrap my brain around. Uh, even some so-called self-professed Christians are, are and I and. I, Paul, I, I, this makes me just, I mean, I, I'm saddened by this. Um, we, Center for Medical Progress goes in and d- does a, uh, a journalistic sting operation, all right? I, I get the fact that there are some legal issues there, but for some self-professed professing Christians to say, well, you know what, they really didn't follow the ethics of journalism and they really had X, Y, and Z problems and they, you know, they're certainly not a model for uh, uh, for uh, investigative journalism. Really? That is what the, the some self-professing Christians are going to complain about as opposed to the 4,000 slaughtered babies? You know, it's, uh, everything is upside down and backwards. Um, and yet, we as Christians, the body of the church, are, are, are whimpering in the corner, like you said. And, and, and if we keep doing this, we're going to lose every opportunity we have to uh, to stand up and to, and to safeguard the freedoms that we have been given and have been entrusted with. So, all of that said, you know, I, I guess I'm looking at this, the six sixteen. 16 satanic ritual yeah I, I i suppose we could have expected that because of the the a wall nature of certain christians and, and the and the busybody nature of others who are so just wrapped up in in tearing tearing down you know the brethren or acting as accusers of the brethren and and then of course the the uh, perversion and distillation of the, the christian doctrine and, and you know what Throw it, I'm going to throw this in there too, Paul, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know the the, the, the whole dust up over the transgendered bathrooms. 
people are not getting the importance of that either. They're, they're not seeing how this all fits into the larger picture, which is not about equal rights for for people. No, it has nothing to do with equal rights. It has everything to do with criminalizing Christianity and, and taking away the freedom that Christians have to, to practice and worship their religion because we don't worship the same God as as Islam. We don't worship the same God as, um, well, frankly, I mean, the Orthodox Jews and Christians uh, arguably may not worship the same God. But, but having said all of that, the, the transgender issue, the homosexual marriage issue, which is just an oxymoron anyway, um, the legalism that we're seeing associated with the, with everything taking place right now, it's bringing us down. It's cause it's it's, it's rending our Christian heritage, our, our society, our it's just it's just tearing everything down. And, and if we don't do something very quickly, very quickly, we're going to lose it all. And, and our children, instead of saying, you know, great job, thanks for safeguarding our freedoms, are going to spit on our graves, and perhaps rightfully so. Well, the, the this um, this uh, uh, form of self-depreciating uh, and self-attacking and self-hatred among Christians were uh, they attacked the people who did the documentary because they didn't, you know, fulfill every jot and tittle. That's the mentality of um, uh, of a victim. That's the mentality of defeat, and that's the mentality of uh, uh, your own self destruction. It's, it's a it's a form of mental suicide when you start to tear apart uh, your fellow Christians and uh, uh, demonize them and overlook uh, the greater horrors, you, you've got a warped mind. And how did you get a warped mind? Well, you're, you're hanging out with people or listening to a leader who is teaching you uh, a warped perception of reality. Um, people who win, people who accomplish their goals, people who think uh, biblically, people who take the land don't think that way. So, you know, we need to uh, surround ourselves with and read materials and expose ourselves to materials and listen to programs like yours where iron sharpens iron, and we all have a choice to do that. And then the other thing is we need to recognize you're right. This is, this is um, we're in a, uh, a battle for the life or death of Christianity and for the survival of, of our faith. So it's critical that we uh, get our minds in line with what God's Word is uh, teaching us. You know, all the time people come to me, constantly all the time, on email or in conversations or whatever, and they ask me, Paul, why isn't my, are my prayers not getting answered? You know, I, I've prayed, I've asked God for this, I've asked God for that, and it doesn't seem like He's providing for me, it doesn't seem like He's answering my prayer. And I, I have begun to teach this principle because it, it is a powerful principle and it must be adhered to if you want to see God move in your life in terms of supernatural provision or guidance or whatever it is. <clears throat> you know, if you are um, financially supporting, uh, uh, do uh, donating your energy to and, and giving your money to and, and, and a member of, for example, a church uh, or a religious, a Christian religious group, which uh, attacks the Bible, 
which uh, is apathetic and disconnected and not involved in any of the issues, uh, you are um, joining up with and giving your money and your time and your energy uh, to a church or a religious group that is um, not doing uh, things which please God. So then you come to me and ask, uh, you know, and I'm polite to people when, when they talk to me, and you come to me and ask, well, why isn't God answering my prayer? And why doesn't God pro provide? Why doesn't God do that? And, you know, I listen to what they say. How could you possibly expect God to bless you, guide you, answer your prayers when you're devoting your time, your energy, giving your resources to an institution that is actually, even though it's called a church, it's actually opposing the things of God, and it's actually promoting the destruction of our nation? God is not, I don't care how sincere you are, God is not going to bless you if you are joined up with a, a church or a group which is actually undermining and furthering the destruction of our nation. And then I teach the principle that, you know, when you, because everybody, you know, they think, well, I'm tithing, you know, so God should bless me. But but God's not going to bless you if you're tithing to an organization which is causing people to be apathetic and um, causing the destruction of our nation. He's not going to bless you. So the key here is that we direct our lives into churches or ministries or organizations or individuals or whatever, we have a responsibility before God to be good stewards. And that means we're to partner and join up with those churches, those individuals, and those organizations that are actually doing the things that please the Lord according to His Word. Now, I've noticed that when people do that, they do get blessed. Because when you take care of God's business, his true business, God begins to take care of your business. And I've noticed that there's a relationship with those people that are committed uh, to, to helping his work be done his way. God blesses, God protects, God answers prayer. So the number one principle is, it's not just going to church. It's going to a church that's doing what pleases the Lord. Now, if you do that, um, if you're committed to the things that, that God is committed to, then you will see the blessing of God on your life. And, and I, you know, I, it's a really a simple principle, but you would be amazed about how many people violate that, and then they don't understand why God doesn't bless them. And uh, I, w I won't say anything further than that, but... You, if you want God's blessing, if you want God's supernatural guidance, if you want God's supernatural supply, if you want to see uh, the Lord speak in your life and move, then you need to be committed to the things that please God and hiding from the spiritual battle and empowering churches to be apathetic doesn't please the Lord. So don't expect to be blessed. And then number two is... You know, God has called every one of us before the foundation of the world for such a time as this. So God has given each one of us a call, a mission, um, and it's different for every one of us. And the, the, the question that I would ask uh, people is, you know, what has God called you to do? 
what is the mission he's given you? And then are you obeying him? Are you doing what he's calling you to do? Because you see, America would not be in the moral and spiritual freefall that it's in if the millions and millions of people who claim to be Bible-believing Christians, who claim to go to Bible-believing churches, were actually um, um, obeying the Lord and doing the mission he called them to and doing what God asked them to do. If all these millions of Christians were actually doing what God is asking them to do and fulfilling the mission that he's actually calling them to fulfill, we wouldn't be in the spiritual condition we're in in this nation. So repentance means you, you turn around, you accept ownership for the fact that you're going in the wrong direction, and if you're willing to do that, you're going to see God move powerfully in your life. In the old days, they used to call that repentance. So if you synchronize uh, up with God's purpose, real purposes for your life, you know, not make-believe purposes, God will bless you, and God will use you, and guess what? Your reward will be, maybe God will preserve our freedoms, maybe God will preserve our nation, so that your children won't spit on your grave because they live in some brutal, horrible, totalitarian state. You know, we, we all, all are responsible to God. I'm not better than any one of your, your, your listeners. I may be worse in a lot of areas. My, my claim to... Um, Spiritual leadership is not contingent because I'm some perfect person. But, I, but I'll tell you what I am. I'm willing uh, to, to, to engage in the spiritual battle, and that I've done. I know you guys have done that. Many of your listeners have done that. But, but I'm in it. You know, I'm in it for everything. Why do I write the books? You know, why do I do what I do? I do it because I am doing everything that I possibly can to change the direction of our nation and to see our next, uh, nation uh, avert destruction, to, to win people to Jesus Christ. I am in it 100%, 100%. So I gave God everything. I mean, I've given God everything. Am I perfect? No, but I gave God everything. And for that, God backs me up and protects me. So I want to challenge your, your listeners um, you're either in in the game, as you always say, Doug, you know, playing your position, you're not. And if you're not, you're not going to see God move. And then you're going to weep bitterly, bitterly. And maybe on your deathbed, you're going to weep bitterly, because every one of us are accountable before God for what we do in this lifetime. And every one of us as Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, or we're going to give an account of our lives before the Lord. But what we really did... You know, not going to a make-believe church. What we did with our money in terms of donations, what we did with our prayers, what we did with our time, our energy, our talents and abilities. And we're going to be, re if we were in the game, if we were fulfilling the mission that God has called us to, to do, if we entered the spiritual battle that God considers important, we're going to get rewarded in the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to take those rewards with us into heaven. But if we just protected our own posterior and played it safe and lied low and went to a church where they played church and were apathetic or spend our time criticizing our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ for every, every little petty thing we didn't agree with, 
the word says that at the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And not only that, all the selfishness, all the self-preservation, all the apathy, uh, all the cowardice, all the times we heard, uh, listen to me carefully, because I believe the Lord's speaking to people. All the times we heard the voice of the Lord calling us to get into the game and calling us to do something through radio programs like this or through other places. All the times we heard the voice of the Holy Spirit calling us to to, to get in the game 100%. Like now, I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to people right now, and they have to make a decision. But at the judgment seat of Christ, you will be either rewarded for when you heard the Holy Spirit call you, because people know right now that the Spirit of God is calling them. They can feel it in their heart. You're going to be rewarded for the choice you made to to, to, to give your life fully to the Lord and get in the game. But if you ignore the Lord and continue to play church and cover your own posterior and get involved in a church which is really against the things of God, um, and you ignore the Spirit, because you're hearing the Holy Spirit right now, but if you choose to ignore uh, the call of God, and he's speaking to you now, if you choose to ignore the call of God, then at the judgment seat of Christ, you are going to weep, there will be gnashing of teeth, and the Word of God says all of your self-protection and your your self-centered playing in church, it's going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble, and it will be agonizing. You're going to go into heaven, but the judgment seat of Christ will be agonizing for you because you will be like, the Bible says, you will be like a man or a woman who was rescued from a house that was blazing on fire, and even though you got into heaven, everything that you did in this life was burned up because essentially it was worthless before the Lord. Now, if you think that's me uh, laying a guilt trip on you, you're wrong. I simply explain to you the teaching of the Bible in relationship to the judgment seat of Christ. So every single person listening, you were presented with a choice today to either 100% follow Christ or to play it safe and play church and know full well that according to the Word of God, you will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ for what you chose to do, but if you ignored the call of God, and He did call you tonight, He did speak to your heart, mark it in your calendar, you heard the voice of the Lord tonight. And if you choose to play it safe and play church and belong to a church that that opposes the things of God, you're going to be weeping and gnashing your teeth at the judgment seat of Christ as everything you did was burnt up. You'll get into heaven but you're not going to be rewarded for what you did down, in her, down here on earth. And that isn't Paul McGuire. That's simply a teaching of the judgment seat of Christ, a truth you need to know. Amen. Amen. Well said. we got uh, just a few minutes left, Paul. Um, let's talk about your uh, book and DVD again here while we have time. Folks, go to paulmcguire.us, uh, to Paul's website, and... Um, you can find the uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. You can pre-order it now. 
Yeah, I, I gotta know the DVD though, Paul. What's on the DVD? Is it yeah. um, the DVDs will be uh, teachings and a visual uh, that will further explain the message in the book and uh, the book of prophecy of America, the future of America, two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, and the DVD set combined. They're designed to equip people to accomplish what I just said in the last couple of minutes. And you know what? You got you gotta to get knowledge, and you can get it at a discount. I don't write the books for some self-serving purpose. Uh, I gave my life to, to, to Jesus 100. percent I write them to equip God's people to to uh, obey the call of God in their lives. And so I encourage people to get the book and the DVDs, and then to have their friends over to discuss it, and then more and most importantly. Uh, do what is being taught in the book. You know, we can we can make a difference. And you're you know, there's a call of God in your life, but you got to be taught um, according to the Word of God how to accomplish that goal. And if you do, um, you'll experience the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, and most of all, you'll be a person that. God will say to, that Jesus will say to you when you get into heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I wrote the book so that you and I could hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. They can get it at us, and they ought to take advantage of the discount now and share the truth with their friends. Amen. And we're certainly going to do that right after this broadcast. Take advantage of that offer, folks. PaulMcGuire.us. Paul, I just want to say thank you so much. And, and you know, there, there's so much, um, uh, so much uh, darkness out there and, and encroaching darkness and so, so many things taking place. But, but you, and I thank you for this, you, you not only tell it like it is, but you preach the, and you teach that uh, we are not given to a uh, a fear or a fait accompli of, of uh, well, we know how the story ends, actually, and, and we are to play like we know how the story ends, and, and uh, really appreciate that. We're not to be fatalistic. There's nothing in the Bible about fatalism. We will overcome, and uh, we just need, everyone needs to stand up and uh, and do what, do what we need to do. Um, Listen to you know to understand what our what our position is and play our positions as well and and we can't wait to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant, Paul. Thank you so much. God, I want to just God say God you bless gentlemen. you. All right, brother. Take Thanks, care. Paul, have All a right. good night. Bye bye. Bye bye. Tomorrow, Carl Gallops joining us for the second two hours. It's gonna be an interesting show. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Then Friday, Steve, Quail, Tom Horn, and, and Nita, Nita Horn. Horn. Yeah, and you know what. Why, uh, Friday night, you're, you're, there's going to be some information about Tom Horn you don't know about. So, tune in. This is the Global Star Radio Network.